This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. We start episode 128 here on President's Day, or as my three-year-old says, President's Day. You know what? I'll use Keaton's example of what he thinks today is to say we have a present here to start episode 128. So I'll get into all sorts of notes. We'll get to a conversation, a lengthy conversation with former Twins closer Glenn Perkins on why he's retiring and so much more, but we can't waste any more time. We have to get to Wolves and Lynx owner Glenn Taylor right now. So here is Glenn. Glenn, always appreciate your time. There were a lot of great conversations to be had leading into last Thursday, but I figured, hey, let's look back at the flip ceremony, how wonderfully done it was. So I always appreciate your time. Looking back at last Thursday, I mean, that ceremony was as good as it gets, don't you think? Yes, and I told that to the staff, too, and all the people that were involved in putting that together, that I wanted to make sure that everybody got a personal thank you from me, because uh, it was well done, and I'm just really proud of everybody. I mean, you think about having Kevin Harlan be the MC. You can't find, especially with his history with Flip, you couldn't find a better MC. No, but it's this says a lot for Flip on the contacts that he made and the relationships that he built over, built over the years that um, people are just uh, want to do whatever they can to honor him. And how nice was it to have a couple of his former players when you think about you know some of the players that you know are closely associated to, to Flip's coaching history. I mean you think of I mean at the top of the list near the top of the list Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups. Yeah Flip had a great deal of respect for these young men you know and in that he worked with them as players, and uh, he wanted to do everything he could to enhance their careers in the NBA, and that's through coaching or TV. And then you think about Debbie Saunders' words. I mean, I can't imagine how tough that was for her, but once she got up there, I mean, her words were so powerful. It was, it was just, I'm telling you, Glenn, I was blown away at how well done it was. Before she spoke, you know, she mentioned to me, that, you know, she's a very emotional person. She says, I'm not sure I can do this. But she did a tremendous job. I mean, her words were so meaningful. I mean, I know this, Glenn. I mean, she's in a book club with a friend of mine's wife. And I know just some back and forth going back a number of months, she was saying, you know, that you guys wanted to do this, but she wasn't quite sure she was ready, you know. So just going through that emotional roller coaster, you know, but then just listening to her powerful words, and then she held court with, some reporters immediately after. I mean, I think it was therapeutic for her in so many different ways. I agree with you. I think um, that uh, we had mentioned this quite a ways back that we were going to do that. But, you know, part of our whole um, concerns was to make sure that she was ready. And uh, we knew that at some time that would come, that she would come around to that conclusion. And it took a a while, but uh, it was, it came off really good. And it was the right time for her too. How therapeutic was it for you, Glenn? Well, I I like her. I'm a very emotional guy. And and so, uh, you know, I think about these things and the friendships that we had. I love to be working with him. And it just breaks my heart that he's not here seeing uh, how great this team that he put together is doing. Yeah, I mean, you think about that all the time when you see Carl Anthony Towns. You know, last night, Carl Anthony Towns playing in his first All-Star game. I mean, that just, you know, that's that's Flip, right? I mean, Flip almost went Jalil Okafer, decides on Cat. I mean, Cat's not here with without Flip. No, that's right. I mean, uh, because I was close to Flip, uh, he shared with me all of his feelings um, as the college season went along, you know, which player, if we did get that pick, you know, which player would be, we pick one, two, or three. We figured we'd be one of the top 
teams, but uh, he went over and over that. But uh, sometime uh, during that process, I mean, he put um, Cat up there because of his uh, personality and, and his uh, desire to win, that he just thought that he would be the person that would fit best into our organization. What do you think about the permanent banner? I mean, to me, when you think of Flip, it's not Flip Saunders, it's Flip. So, to me, the banner with Flip, I mean, that's perfect. I think so, too, because he, he was such a casual guy, and he always had that big grin on his face, and and uh, I think, you know, that's how he was known, and, and uh, everybody knows who we're talking about, and it's very appropriate. I don't want to suggest that you think about Flip every minute, every hour, every day, but but how often does Flip come up in your personal life? Well, that's a good question. I was, I've been asked that several different times, you know, because of that. You know, certainly I would use the word weekly and, and why, it, why it comes up even weekly and, and maybe more often. <clears throat> Every time we talk about certain players, which I talk about, you know, players in the, in the league a lot, uh, if you talk about those players, it comes back to Flip in that he was instrumental in, you know, having them on our team or he did something to help them and, and therefore you, you're, uh, process your thought process goes back to Flip that what he had to do with those uh, players. I mean, heck, another one of Flip's players. I mean, it hit me when when Chicago beat you guys the other night was when Zach Levine. You know, I mean, he has the unbelievable game. You know, the belief that that Flip had in Zach. I mean, Zach was coming off the bench at UCLA. A lot of us thought, Flip, what are you doing? Why are you passing on Gary Harris of Michigan State or any number of players? Flip knew what he was doing, taking Zach Levine. Yeah, when you see Zach play that well against our team and coming off his injury, you know that uh, that this is going to be a good deal both for Chicago and for us. I mean, was that a balancing act, Glenn? You know, thinking about it, I mean, you have a chance to bring in a top 10 two-way player in Jimmy Butler, a multi-time All-Star. Like, how do you turn that down? But was there a balancing act in your mind, you know, about breaking up the core that, that Flip had put together? Well, there is, there is, but you know, a lot of it isn't just what I think. It's you know, you have your coach and you have your staff, and you know, which players do they think they can do the best with, and that's what you hire them for. I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer in Zach. I love him, and and such a nice young man. Besides being a good basketball player, that I was close to him. You know, I hated to see him go to Chicago, but uh, we made up our minds that we wanted to have a, have a. Um, pretty terrific year this year and Zach coming off that injury was you know uh, part of our uh, decision that we probably couldn't wait a half a year for him to come around I mean it has been a terrific season Glenn 36 and 25 through 61 games I mean there have been some losses that make you scratch your head you know whether in Brooklyn Atlanta Orlando but 11 games above 500 with what 21 games to go I'm guessing you'll take that I'll take that but I'm still like you I look at those games that probably five or six games that we lost that I knew we were the better team at. And, and that hurts because, you know, to get into um, the playoffs is one thing, but to get into the third uh, third position or fourth position is a lot better uh, having home court advantage. And I hopefully those teams, those games don't come to haunt us. Back to Thursday, Glenn. I mean, it was so cool to have Sam and Chauncey and so many former players in attendance, but any disappointment that KG, Kevin McHale, some others were not there? Well, I, I, you know, I'm disappointed because I think that uh, that in uh, Flip's case that he um, certainly helped KG probably as much as anyone, and mm-hmm. it was very close to him. And 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 uh, and Flip and him, uh, Flip and Kevin, I know had a 
had a, um, a close relationship. I'd love to see him there. I know that that uh, KG that we sent out a whole bunch of invitations and asked him to do a film for us, or, you know, to put up there like I did. But uh, whatever reasons, uh, we never uh, heard back. I mean, I guess, is it possible people grieve differently even two and a half years later? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why why KG wouldn't do the, at least the, the video clip for you guys. No, I don't know either. And, and uh, as I said, he didn't respond back. So I don't know if, you know, if he, what his schedule was or what happened there. But uh, I think it would have been appropriate and been very nice if he would have done that. Back to your current team. Were you okay with, with Jimmy Butler not playing in, in last night's All-Star game? No, I wanted. To, <laughs> no, I loved. I love to watch yeah, Jimmy out there play, and I think he's got such a special uh, way of doing things. But then, but then, on the long run, we got to be thinking about the season and people's health and everything. I mean, that was a fun game. I mean, those guys were clearly trying maybe more than previous years. I mean, heck, my my opinion is it's it's a sprint here to the finish. You guys won as high a playoff seat as you can get. Hopefully, as high as. Maybe number three, if Jimmy wants to take the night off, to me, I'm fine with that. No, it's just that, you know, I'm proud of him, and I like to have him exposed to everybody that could, so that other people across the nation can see him like we see him and stuff like that. It's only in that sense that uh, it's my pride in the Timberwolves name and having out there. But, you know, I was really happy to see Carl out there and, and, and fitting right in for a very, very young man. And I, I agree with you in the sense that I thought maybe it was a better basketball game. I mean, it wasn't just all all dunks. I think at, at some times during the game, players were trying to win. How about the, the landscape of the Western Conference? I mean, you look at, like, the nine seed. You know, just look at losses. Now, you guys have played, like, three, four, five more games than a lot of the teams in the West. But you look at, you know, losses. I mean, it's it's a grind. I mean, from, like, three seed to nine seed, you know, you guys right at the top of that list with San Antonio, and you go all the way down to, like, the Clippers. I mean, it's it's going to be one heck of a finish. Yeah, and so much of it's going to be based upon injuries. I mean, you could lose uh, <clears throat> guys in the last month here or something like that. It could change your position, um, you know, from fifth to ninth to, uh, very quickly. I mean, heck, that's why, I mean, you guys do have that open roster spot. Is there a thought to sign somebody that can that can give you some extra minutes, you know, just in, in case somebody gets hurt? Well, we were looking. I think, you know, we kept that spot open on the team, so we, we have a spot available. But we just don't need to have somebody just fill in a spot just for the sake of having it filled because we're generally only playing nine guys anyway. So mm-hmm. if we saw the right guy, I'm sure the, the coach and, and, and uh, Scott would uh, – you know, recommend that we do something. But at this point, they're looking at each guy and and saying, um, you know, I don't know that that person coming up here would change anything. And so well, we're just going to sit tight until we see that that person come along. And they may not, and then we're just going to play with the guys we got. Did you chuckle at some of the national reports? I mean, Mark Stein is very plugged in. I mean, he led the charge on, hey, Derek Rose, it's almost inevitable he's going to end up with the Wolves. <laughs> but, like, my thought is, Glenn, you have a really good backup point guard. Like, why mess with Tyus Jones' minutes? Well, I, I, not that there's anything wrong with uh, Derek Rose, but I just think it's pretty obvious that if the right person would be a three-point shooter or a person that has a real good defensive skill set that could be used than more than one position. I think those are our biggest needs right now. I think the guard position, we have three guys already, and if we brought in the fourth guy, uh, I'm not sure 
that we would have improved that much uh, because uh, just because all three of those guys have showed that they can they can uh, start if if need be. I mean, the one guy that I thought would eventually turn into a three and D guy is Shabazz Muhammad, but it just I guess it just it hasn't happened. Well, it's it's um, it's sad to see that because uh, he's uh, he's a guy with special skills, especially on the offensive end. That he comes in and he's willing to post up, do do some of those special things. And in the preseason, he had a great preseason. But somehow, when we he had the opportunity to start when Jimmy was hurt, I don't know, you know, what happened. But we, he just wasn't as productive, and therefore he hasn't been able to work his way back into the lineup. The other thing is that we've had so many close games that it's been hard to get some of those guys off the third team, you might say, off the bench. Uh, and to display their skills, and, and it's just sad. If we'd win some some of our games by 20 points, you know, I think you know you can substitute freer and quicker, and and um, that might have been helpful. But it hasn't worked out that way. Is he handling his situation behind the scenes okay? I mean, he's not creating any sort of distraction, right? He's not. With uh, I haven't heard anything bad about what he's done. I mean, he's been he's talked to me. I'm sure he's talked to the coach. I know he has talked to the coach. Just saying that he wants a chance to get out there, or if he has said that if, if we aren't going to use him, he'd love the chance to play with some other team. I've told him that we're going to we're open to all that um, flexibility if it need be. So I just said just keep working hard and let's see what happens. I'll leave you after this, Glenn. Andrew Wiggins. I mean, is he as maddening to you as he is to to me to others? I mean, some nights you know he can get forty if he really wanted to. Then there's other nights. Like, what was it, last week? Was it the Houston game or maybe a different game? He had, what, like no rebounds, no assists, or maybe it was one assist and no points in an entire half? Like, I don't know how that happens with a guy that talented. Well, I don't know either, and um, let's just hope that with uh, more experience and stuff that he will learn in each game, you know, how to, when a team really has him in a funk, how to counter that with some other movement. He is so He has so many skill sets that I think that he could uh, do that. And, and uh, I'm not sure at, at some games if he's tired or if he's hurt or if he's or, uh, or just running into problems with the person that's guarding him. Um, but, uh, you know, in the long run, at his pay level and how people look at him as number one, he's got to have a skill set that takes him into almost every game during the year and so that the other team uh, worries about him. And he's not really young anymore, right? I mean, when you're when you're four years in the league, when you're about to turn 23 here in a couple of days, we can't call Andrew Wiggins young anymore. At least that's my opinion. Well, I think that he can still grow. Let's let me put it that way. Yeah, I okay. just think at yeah. his age and stuff that he, there's lots of room for improvement uh, in uh, in Andrew, and that's my expectations. You know what? I lied. One more. I mean, Taj Gibson on the flip side. I mean. A lot of people said, two years, $28 million. you guys are overpaying Taj. You know what? Heck, you're underpaying Taj for as well as he's playing. He has been a pleasant surprise. I, I have you know, watched Taj play in, in uh, Chicago and, and uh, last year, but uh, um, he's just done more this year and more efficient than I've seen him in the past, and he was uh, you know, pretty good in the past, but right now he's just uh, doing everything right, and I've had the opportunity to talk to him sometimes, and I told him I'm just so proud of him and the year that he's had. It sure has helped us. I mean, heck, he's almost made Gorgie an afterthought, and I love Gorgie, but, heck, you have to keep playing Taj all those minutes the way he's playing, right? 
yeah, his unique style, his defense. I mean, he'll play defense for you, that's mm-hmm. for sure. And his unique style, picking up balls around the basket, and then he's got that short little jumper that uh, he he gets a very very high percent on it, and and uh, and he seems to come through. You know, a lot of times, just in times of need, when we're struggling a little bit, the heritage is you know picking up the ball and getting us some points, and it gets the team going again. I mean, he just has that that personality that I think uh, stimulates the other players. You like Jeff Teague so far, and then I'll let you go. Yeah, Jeff is another guy that uh, that I think could be more consistent. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't like him. I do like him, but I see him turn it on in some games, and when he does, he's a handful to, to, uh, to stop. I just think that uh, Jeff is trying to be such a team member and getting his other guys to score that sometimes he forgets about himself until there's a, a big need, and then I see him, you know, stepping up to it. But I, I certainly like him as a, a player and as a leader out there on the floor. I mean, you think about the guy you traded so you could sign Jeff Teague. I mean, Ricky is playing really well right now for Utah. Yeah, I watch Ricky's uh, stats and uh, all of his games. And, I'm, again, I'm really proud of him. And, again, I've communicated to him, too, that I am proud of him, and I hope he can, you know, keep it going because he's a uh, such a nice young man, and I'm – hoping that the environment out in Utah will just fulfill his needs. Glenn, always appreciate your time. Heck, Friday in Houston. I mean, it. you know, it's a, little bit of a, it's a little bit of a break, <laughs> but next thing you know, you got to deal with yeah. the, uh, the high-powered Rockets on Friday. So always appreciate your time. You're very welcome. Wolves and Lynx owner Glenn Taylor. I've always said, because he's been on this podcast a number of times, he's as open, he's as accessible as any owner in the league. Heck, forget the league in all of professional sports. On Derrick Rose, there was mutual interest. I can tell you that Derrick Rose's agent, B.J. Armstrong, those within the Wolves organization, but Glenn making it sound pretty clear that Derrick Rose will not end up in a Wolves uniform anytime soon. We'll get to Glenn Perkins in just a second. We are going to ad lib for time's sake, for your time, for my time, instead of doing a 75- or 80-minute podcast, I'll do my best to keep this podcast like in the 45- to 50-minute range. So we'll keep this an interviews-only podcast. Then later in the week, hopefully time allows, I will do a notes podcast. And if another guest falls into my lap, we can record said guest. The podcast is always brought to you by Skoll Marketing. They are a business-to-business marketing agency. Skoll Marketing specializes in working with local small businesses. So if you are a small business owner, be sure to check out Skoll Marketing online, skollmarketing.com. They are a locally owned company started by two former Google employees to help the little guys compete. They work with businesses in web development, pay-per-click advertising, social media management, and so many more areas. Let's make Google work for you. Again, the website, skollmarketing.com. Or do this. Call now to schedule your free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKOL. 612-787-SKOL. Skoll Marketing. Speaking of Skoll, our next guest was once at the Vikings-Saints-NFC Championship game in New Orleans. He would have been at the Super Bowl if the Vikings had won the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. So he certainly has enough of an interest in the purple. He is... Stillwater native, a graduate of Stillwater High School, former Gophers pitcher, a first-round pick of the Twins in 2004. He spent 12 years in a Twins uniform. He made three all-star teams. He gets to say he played his entire career with one organization. 
He is former Twins closer Glenn Perkins. I spent a few hours at Glenn's South Metro property. He's got 100 acres of land in the South Metro. Late last week, I had a piece that ran on 5 Eyewitness News on Sunday night. But here's an opportunity. I sat down. We talked on camera for like 25-ish minutes. So here's an opportunity, a forum, to play that entire conversation for TV's sake. I can only play like two or three minutes, you know, snippets. we got to keep everything tight in TV land. But here on the podcast, we have unlimited time. So I will play back my conversation with former Twins closer Glenn Perkins. He announced his... He hates using the word retirement, but stepping away from baseball, being done with baseball, he announced that on Twitter going back a handful of days ago. He didn't want one of those fancy goodbye news conferences. We talk about that and why he's walking away from the game and so much more in this conversation. Here is my conversation with Glenn Perkins. I mean, heck, you're so busy. Has it hit you that... You know, it's it's now official that, that you are retired. I mean, you put out the tweet, I guess, I guess it was GM Thad Levine that, that started the ball rolling on, yeah. on what the Twins caravan. But has it hit you yet that, that you're officially done? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it hit me, I mean, frankly, when I was still playing at the end of last season that, you know what, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I kind of knew, and I was mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, and I know that I'm going to miss, and I do miss being down there and being around the guys, but when I see the videos on Twitter and the, and the pictures of guys throwing, all I think is that looks like it really hurts. And, you know, what I went through to get back and how I felt when I got back and the pain that it took just to go back out on the mound, uh, you know, the, the five or six or seven times I did after I came back, just I, I was done with that. And uh, so it was, it was pretty easy for me to make that decision. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad that uh, I get to be in Minnesota for a spring and, and haven't got to do that in a long time. So, um, you know, I'm not complaining. And you just know when it's time. And it was time, and I'm, I'm at peace with that, and, and so I'm all good. Did we have any idea how grueling it was, the process of you coming back from the torn labrum? I mean, heck, I mean, you make these all-star games. You have all these great career accomplishments. Was maybe your greatest career accomplishment getting back to the mound last September? I mean, it was, it was the hardest thing I ever did, yeah. And, and it, it got progressively harder as I got closer because it's just every small step trying to get back to being competitive got harder and harder, whether it was throwing bullpens and then finally feeling good throwing bullpen, and then, and then doing live batting practices and having a setback, and then pitching in a game and not feeling great, and, you know, all those things. Like, it, it was like I'm rolling the ball up the hill, and the hill, as I got closer to the top, got steeper. And, and it went from, you know, I'm kind of kicking it along to, like, I'm leaning under this thing trying to push it up like a cliff. And... Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, the good thing is that it gave me clarity on the fact that I was done, that I wasn't, you know, there's not a chance. There wasn't ever that thing in my head like, man, what if I just had a winter off and, and came back and started throwing? Like, I have no desire to throw baseball and see how it feels. And that's because of what I went through last year, just to get back. And when your goal initially is I'm, I can get back and be what I was, uh, and, it, and it becomes, I just want to get back. You know that it's that the that time is short. Was there ever a temptation to do one of the the goodbye news conferences to have your family and friends at Target Field to have the twins celebrate you with, with no. everybody there in one room? No. Um, you know, I don't think I did enough to have that. I don't think I deserve really? that. Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, and. and um, it's just not my thing. Like, that's why I didn't even know how to retire. I didn't even know how to, what to do. 
And that's why finally, I, I, when Dad called me and was like distraught and apologetic, I said, hey, thank you. Because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. All of a sudden, I'm here and I go to a store. Or I go to a restaurant. People are asking, hey, how are you feeling? Are you going to be back? And I'm saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm getting. And, and it's mid-January and I haven't touched a baseball or done anything baseball-wise. Uh, it gets harder and harder. And now, I mean, what have, what have I done today, for example? You know, it's, the team started two days ago and people are going, oh, why aren't you down in spring training? It's like, well, I'm not playing anymore. And so there was really no way to do it. There was no way for me because I didn't want to. I just kind of wanted to be done. I kind of wanted to be done. I kind of wanted to move on to the next phase. And so I didn't know. I mean, I knew that there was people that were wondering. And a lot of people and fans and media and whoever that were, hey, we need something. or we got, Something's got to happen at some point. And so I was thankful that that did get that ball rolling. I mean, it, it, something needed to happen. And, you know, it, I told him that nothing in my career went how I would expect it. Um, and that is right along with that. So I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> I mean, nothing went as you expected. I mean, you didn't expect to make it to the majors after being a first-round pick, or well, you or do little things like that. I'm going to kick some butt and be an all-star. You never know. You know, when I, I went through ups and downs, I ran out of options. I filed a grievance against the team. I almost got ran out of town. I mean, there was a lot of things. I never would have expected to pitch in an all-star game or to pitch in a, a all-star game at Target Field or do any of those things. I, I mean. You don't know. I, yeah, when I was five years old or fifth grade or whatever, I thought I was going to play for the Twins. I mean, what kid that grows up here doesn't? But, you know, it, everything, I'm not, and by saying not that I expected, it doesn't mean that I accomplished things that I'm proud of or that I, I you know, as time goes on, yeah, you, you do, hey, I made an All-Star game, now I want to make the one in Target Field. Yeah, that's an expectation. But from the start, I mean, I remember going way back, my wife asking if I would ever be a closer. Like, she was watching Jonathan. I'm like, no, I'll be a starter. Why would I ever pitch in the bullpen? You know, so that's, I mean, I never thought I would be a reliever. I never thought I would close games. I never thought any of those things. And it's the same thing with rehab recovery. You, you get to a point where you're like, man, I, I don't think I'm going to get back. And I'm sitting in AAA as a, a 27-year-old with an ADRA, you know, in July of 2010. I mean, I, nobody expected me to do any of what I did for the next five years. And, and it didn't mean that I wasn't going to work and try to get back and try to be good. But you don't expect that. And, and so... The, the way the retirement thing came out with Thad doing that, I mean, he said, oh, that's supposed to be something that the player gets to decide, and it doesn't matter, you know, and, and you move on, and the game keeps going, and the organization keeps going, and then people forget about it. I mean, there, there'll be another me and a year or two or who knows, and then I'm nobody, and that's, you know, that's fine, and that's why I don't think I need some thing that, that you got people there and you're doing this and that. I mean, I think the people that, that helped me along my career know that I'm thankful for that, and I didn't need to have a press conference to, to say that i mean there will be others that that do what you did but i don't know if anybody's ever going to follow the path that you did i mean how many times were you up and down you're right you filed a grievance there were people what 2010 that said oh he's done yeah. there's no way right yeah, yeah. and then I mean, you know you're a starter your entire life then you make the transformation to a reliever next thing you know you're making three all-star games yeah, I just kind of, I mean, honestly, it just kind of happened. Like, you know, people ask, hey, how, how did you do that or what did you do? And I, I, truthfully, I just played and nobody ever told me to stop. They said, hey, you know, you're coming back to Minnesota with us and you're going to go to this All-Star game. They just told me where to go and I just went and I did what I could. I mean, that really was what it was. It was happy-go-lucky. It was uh, just keep playing and, and if they tell me I'm done, then I'm done. And, and thankfully, nobody told me I was done. I think that's Another thing that I'm proud of that I, I didn't want to do the the sign a minor league deal and or go pitch go pitch in AAA and those like I got to I mean it, it, I didn't 
go out the way I wanted to, per se, but I got to go out on my own terms. I had opportunities to play this year, and I didn't want to. And I think that's something that I can be proud of, that I did get to stop. And, and, and from day one, I've told a lot of people, when I first got called up, I, I got to play with Brad Radke for a couple of weeks. And he was obviously the guy that I watched growing up. Like, he was mm-hmm. one of the guys, like, man, you know, mid-'90s to, to when I got up there, like, that was Brad Radke's was the pitcher on the team. He was the Twins pitcher. Yeah. And I got to play with him, and he retired after that season at 34, 35 years old and said, I could, I could keep playing, and, and, but I want to go home. I want to do other things. I got my kids, and I want to be done. And I thought, man, like, he got his 10 years. He made his money, and he wants to go do other things. And I hope I can do exactly that. And I basically did. And I couldn't be happier with how, you know, in the end, looking back, how everything turned out. If the phone rings, so you're done. Yeah. I mean, you said you had opportunities. What if the phone rings in June and some team says, hey, no, you no still chance. think you got it? No chance? <laughs> no chance. Yeah. No. I'll be, I'll be doing other things by then. I, I, uh, no, like I said, I see those videos of guys throwing in, in spring training. I was watching Gabriel Moya this morning throwing on, on, in slow-mo, and I'm like, God, it just looks like it hurts. <laughs> like That's all I think is that looks like when you land, my knee's going to hurt, and then I'm going to rotate, my back's going to hurt, and then I'm going to let go of the ball, and my shoulder's going to hurt. And I don't want to do it. I don't want to do any of that. I get to do stuff and have fun here, and my body doesn't hurt. And, and I think I, I earned that, and I'm, I'm happy that I can make that decision, and, and I'm good with it. Like I said, I, I got no regrets. Is that one thing maybe the casual fan doesn't realize, maybe even the hardcore fan, just the amount of everything? I mean, the pain that you go through to throw a fastball 95 miles per hour, everything that goes into it, the torque, I mean, just everything. The rehab after. Yeah. Well, you know, in your body, my body's not big enough to do that. I, I mean, mean, that's why I broke the, down. The human body's not meant to throw the ball. No, especially not one my size. I mean, motion, six, I'm just thinking, right? If you're 6'5", you can yeah. absorb some of that. But I was little. I was a little. I was one of the smallest guys on that team, you know, every year in my career. And, you know, for, yeah, throwing balls 95, 96, 97 miles an hour. I mean, it's, it was a matter of time. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, there was... There was a stretch there where I was throwing 65, 70 games a year, and, and those mornings after, it was hard to get out of bed. I mean, it really was, and it takes time to get ready that day and, you know, all that stuff that you do that nobody sees, you know, and, and that's not why you do it, but, you know, you can go out and stretch on the field and play catch, but you didn't just walk through the door and go out and start playing catch. You know, you got there at 1 o'clock to get ready to play catch at 3.30, and that's the stuff that, that people don't see that you think, oh, you can just go out there and sit in a bullpen and go pitch in a game. No, I mean, it's... There's a lot that goes into it. As you get older, it gets harder, and, it, and it's more, and everything hurts. And I love that I can wake up in the morning and not have my knees hurt and not have my back hurt and none of that. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's definitely more to baseball than meets the eye. It's not standing around in the outfield or sitting in the bullpen and just throwing your inning. There's, it's, it's a lot more than that. Does the labrum still hurt? I mean, will there be lingering effects? For a long time? I don't know. I mean, you know, I think he did a good job repairing it, so I don't think that's going to be an issue. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I uh, Whatever. You know, if it goes arthritic, it goes arthritic. I, you know, I, I had knee surgery in 2013, and my knee still hurts. But, um, you know, as long as I don't start playing men's league baseball, I don't think I'll have any more <laughs> shoulder problems. So, you want to play um, town? town ball? <laughs> no. No, nope, I'm done with baseball, man. That's it. Like, I had every team, every small town that all the, the those town ball teams that you know when i kind of announced it or you know even this fall when i when my day declined my option it was hey come play with us come play with us come play with us and you know no i i, I don't want to play baseball anymore that's why i'm not <laughs> playing baseball and uh whether it's for your team or for a major league baseball team i don't want to do it and so um 
but yeah, I, I think I'll be fine going forward. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Is the word retirement weird? I mean, you're in your mid-30s. I haven't used it. Yeah. I haven't used it. I didn't put that in my I didn't put that in my tweet. Right? I put in my tweet that I won't be playing baseball anymore. Yeah. So I I mean, I'm not gonna play baseball, but to say I'm retired, I mean, I'm not even thirty five. I'm a couple weeks away from thirty five, exactly. so I'm not retired. I'll have another job and I mm-hmm. got I got this and I got all I mean I, I I'll be more busy now than I was then. And uh, so no, it's not retirement. I'm just not playing baseball anymore, is the way I look at it. If I had told you, let's circle back 20 years, 1998, that everything would have transpired the way it did, what would you have told me? That you'd be a first-round pick, multi-time All-Star, I mean, the ups and downs, but ultimately, one hell of a run. 12 years, same uniform. If I had told you in 1998, 20 years ago, what would you have told me? I'll take that. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah? I, I think, I, 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 I think the, the one thing when I look back that... that it's not a regret because it can't be, but it is a bummer. Is that my, I want to say it was my fifth or sixth career appearance was in the playoffs uh, in Oakland in 2006. And I came in after Brad out there and faced uh, Chavez and Frank Thomas and one other guy. Um, and that was the only time I ever pitched in the playoffs. And so it just worked out that the times that the team made the playoffs, I wasn't a part of it. I, I was on the, 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 the extra roster in 2010, and I was on the extra roster this year for one game. But mm-hmm. I never had an opportunity to pitch in the playoffs again, which is, at that point, you, you know, I was a teammate that, that year with Phil Nevin. And that was, he had played for 15 years or whatever it was and had never made the playoffs, and he finally got there. I didn't know how special it was at that time because I had just gotten called up. I'm, I'm in the big leagues, and now I'm in the playoffs. Like, this is great. And we got the MVP, and we got Joe Nathan, at the, and we got Maurer winning bad and we got Johan winning Cy Young's. Like, I'm going to be doing this all the time, and then you don't. And so that's, I think, the one thing that, that if I could change anything would have been that, that I would have had the opportunity to pitch in the playoffs again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 20 years ago, if you told me this is where I'd be, I, I mean, how could you not take that? I think I, I, I had a good run. I got to do everything I wanted to do. I had a ton of fun, and like I said, no regrets. Are you in the position you are today without Todd Oaks? No. No. And that's what he did for me as a pitcher, uh, you know, was immeasurable w- with the things he taught me and, and the way he would work with me in the off seasons. Um, kind of just as like my quality control coach, like he would watch me during the season. He knew what I was when I was in college and I was really good. He uh, knew what I looked like when I was healthy. He, so we would play catch and, he would kind of be the guy that when I just took two months off of throwing and hadn't touched the ball, when I'd get back out there, he was the one that would kind of make sure that I was doing what he remembered I was doing. And, um, but it wasn't even that. I mean, it was, it was, I would go up there at nine in the morning and sit there till 1030 and drink coffee. And then we'd go down and we'd play catch. And then I'd sit there till after lunch and I'd be in there four or five, six hours a day. I mean, I can't tell you how many times Alicia would call and like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm sitting here talking to T.O. And it was all those mental things. It was, it was all the other things that, that just kind of a father type of figure, um, a, just a mentor um, that, you know, and, and, and it was another guy. I put him with Terry Ryan where anytime I would do something, whether it was on the field or in a clubhouse or, or you know, after a game, if we're going, like, what are they going to think? And so it was that, like, it was that, that, that mental check of I don't want to disappoint this person. And it was for me. It was Terry, and it was it was Todd Oaks. And uh, with either of those guys, I mean, both of those guys did did so much. I mean, obviously Terry enabling my entire career. Um, 
you know, but then, but then Todd keeping me on track and, and keeping me, you know, teaching me about being a good dad and being a good person and, um, you know, all the, all the other things and, and a lot of that behind the scenes stuff and the hours that I spent with him in that baseball office, you know, are, uh, you know, in that moment, you don't think that's not why I was doing it. I wasn't doing it thinking I was getting something out of it. And then you look back, you know, when he got cancer and when he wasn't around and I wasn't playing catch there anymore that you realize how much you missed that and then you realize how valuable that was. I mean, you think about him just about on a daily basis? Yeah, a lot. I mean, you know, it's it, every time I go fishing, when I would go fishing with him, when I don't ice fish anymore, but we used to ice fish together and I see ice shacks out on lakes and I'm like, man, it was, you know, there was a few times that he came over and we were crawling around on the ice and, you know, doing those things and looking down holes and trying to get sunfish to bite and, you know, and then hunting and, and we would always talk about pheasant hunting and we would talk about deer hunting and, um, you know, yeah, I, I, it, he comes up a lot in my head. Will you watch much of the Twins this year? Yeah. I mean, you still have them. Those guys are your, your yeah. guys, right? Yeah. I mean, those are your you know, and I think, I think I'll be a part of the, of the organization as well, so there's going to be some impetus for me to, to, to watch anyways. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, to watch as a neutral observer, I think, and not be involved and not do the ups and downs. Um, I think it'll be fun, and I think I'll enjoy watching baseball more. I mean, when I was down in Florida, I watched every game last year on the TV, and, you know, I was removed from it, I think, much like I will be this year, but it's going to be different because I'm not on that team. I'm not trying to get back to that team, and, and uh, you know, but I think I'll become a little bit more of a fan for the time being, and, and I think that'll be fun. I mean, you say neutral observer, though, but if you are joining the organization... Yeah, it'll be, it won't be, but it, be, it, it is, but in a different sense, in a different manner sure. of, of yeah. I'm not, you know, it's not me getting ready for a game and then thinking, all right, we need to have a lead so I can pitch, or am I going to pitch tonight, or, you know, all those things. Like, I'll just be able to, to watch and not have, a, not have a skin in the game, I guess, as, as far as me playing in it. 2014, the save at Target Field, the All-Star game. I mean, when ranking memories, I'm not going to have you go up and down the list of all your favorite memories, but that has to be... I mean, we were right down there right after the game, you embracing Alicia, the kids, your family. I mean, that was as good as it gets, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, and I said it at the time, I knew the only thing that would top that is pitching in the playoffs or pitching in the World Series at Target Field. I mean, you just, the, the, the feeling of running out on that field that night, and that's, I mean, in our house, I don't let Alicia put too much stuff up or memorabilia. I kind of hide that stuff. But the one picture we do have is me running out on the field. Uh, somebody took it from like behind me in, in the bullpen gate and running out and you see all the crowd and all the people and I just I remember running on that field thinking holy crap this is really happening and then I saw Kurt out there and I said to him I said can you effing believe this and he said no man let's let, let, let's you know and he tried to get me back like hey this is just a regular game and I'm like dude this ain't no regular game this is freaking unbelievable um yeah I mean and, and that was awesome and we had a suite and so we had a ton of people there and Todd got to be there, and so I mean, it was it was really freaking cool. Just touch on, I'll say briefly, some of the stuff that you're doing now. You're you're working in your wood shop. You're working on this stuff. You've got your your rink out back. I mean, you kind of touch about, I'll say that next chapter that you kind of talked about earlier. Yeah, I mean, you know, so it's it's kind of started with this. Um, I always wanted a wood shop and uh, a real wood shop, a big wood shop where I could get make multiple things and have multiple people working and and have space and have a just a place where I can come and, and kind of get away um, and, and not think about anything other than just, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make something, and it's going to be really cool. And so it started in here, um, 
you know, and, and then with the, with the hockey rink, I mean, when we got the place, I guess there was going to be five years worth of stuff to do here. And, and I think when I get to the end of that and everything's done, then there's going to be some stuff that we're going to have to start back at the beginning. So there's going to be this cycle. But um, I've loved just doing all this stuff and, and having the space and, and, you know, building the, the, the warming house down there. And there, there's a little, we're putting in a little bar down there and then doing the boards and, you know, painting the floor with all the stripes and just doing all that, like having that and, and having the space and just the opportunity to work on stuff. Um, it's something that I've always loved. And, and so I just, I have like unlimited space here to, to do stuff and, um, you know, and we'll get down into the bar and the brewery and, and get to do all that stuff. And, you know, but I, I, this for me is the central um, place, I guess. For Alicia, it would be the house. She loves the house. I could, mm-hmm. I think I could live out here, um, in here. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time out here and, and enjoy the hell out of it and, you know, we get down to the rink, the kids get to skate, and we get to watch them or skate, and, um, you know, but having all these things and, and the opportunity just to work on them and, and have time and not think about, I got to go to the field today, or I have to get ready, or I have to go play catch, or I have to go work out, I, you know, I don't, I, I can bring the kids to school in the morning and, and get home, and I got six, eight hours to work before I got to go pick them up again, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we've been in for since September, and it's been a hell of a lot of work, but it's been a lot of fun. How much do the girls enjoy having daddy around? I mean, they're not used to daddy picking them up at school on February 15th. Yeah, no, you know, and, and I think they were, when I, when I told them at some point last summer that I wasn't going to play baseball anymore, um, I mean, you would have thought that I told them, like when I told my parents I made the All-Star game, you know, it was really, oh my gosh, that's awesome. You know, it was, it was, I, I, and it's weird. I mean, like I just, I, I sometimes wonder what they think, like, okay, their dad's, 35 years old and he doesn't work anymore like that's not normal but that's their normal and you know so I'm glad that I get to be here I'm glad that I get to be here for them and uh you know it, it's special for them and it's special for me like I, I I know that yeah I haven't been here on a February 15th in in 12 13 years whatever it's been but you know I'm lucky that I get to be here now and and all the sacrifices that I made that Alicia made that that everybody's made for me throughout the years to, so now yeah I, I mean I get to be here and it's you know I, I totally it's her time now she got to go on a trip to Palm Springs last weekend and like she's never done that she's always been with the kids and when mm-hmm. I'm home she doesn't want to leave and and you know so it's it's pretty cool that that the, the kind of the roles have reversed and I get to be around and, and and kind of be a parent for the first time in my life which is a little scary since I got a nine-year-old and 11-year-old but how much pride do you take touching something in this shop, putting something together and looking at something that you created yourself. Yeah, um, you know, and especially if something turns out, you know, it's a bummer when you spend a lot of time on something and then it doesn't turn out, which happens. Um, you know, and so I've started to make some furniture for some people, but you know, for uh, money. And so then it has to turn out. You know, when I'm making stuff for the house, if it's not quite right, it's okay. If I have to throw some wood away or burn, you know, something that I screwed up, like, eh, whatever. But making stuff for other people and then and then not only when i get to make it and take pictures of it and say i made this and this is really cool is then bring it to them and and then them sending me pictures of it in their house and uh you know i i I think it's i like that and i think it's cool because people just think i was a baseball player and so it kind of breaks that stereotype of well he can just throw a baseball and he was an athlete and so and i can make something and you know i i made something for a buddy and he said man i thought you only had two talents 
uh, playing baseball and drinking beer. He goes, I didn't know you could make anything out of wood. So um, <laughs> he goes, I didn't know you had three talents. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is cool. And that's what I love. I mean, it's just, you know, my father is the same way you make something. It's getting the reaction out of the people that you make it for, you know, whether that's myself or, you know, I've made some bowls on the lathe. And, I, and when they're done, I'm like, dang, this is really cool. And, you know, I'll bring it in the house and eat cereal out of it. And then at least say, all right, you can bring that thing back out of the house. Now we don't need it in here. But, um, you know, I... It is really cool when you when you can create some because a lot of people they come in here and they I don't even know what these tools are I don't even know what they do mm-hmm. and you know so to, to to have knowledge of what to do and then to be able to yeah take a raw piece of wood and turn it into something cool is 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 pretty neat. So like what specifically like so you've made pieces of furniture for yeah I made friends? some I made some uh, I made some two coffee two end tables and a coffee table uh, barn wood and alder for a guy and then uh, I made three walnut bar stools. That was the, the two things I've done so far this winter, and we got the, the barn wood there. I'm going to make a metal base for for that for another couple. So, um, you know, churning some stuff out of here, and I think the good thing is, is that I make a little money, but I also it keeps me busy, and I don't find ways to spend money. So um, it, it it works twofold. I mean, is the idea to like get a website and like start advertising, or is nah, this just word of mouth right now? Twitter.com is my website. Yeah. You know? I mean, I can put stuff on there, and you know, it's it really it's just for people I know. It's word of mouth. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, one of the hockey dads, I went over to his house and we looked in his basement and said, all right, well, you know, I kind of got this idea of what, you know, he's got alder trim in his house. And so I said, let's, I'll get some alder, I'll make some there and we'll get some barn wood. And I brought barn wood over there and we looked at it and then you start making it. And, yeah. you know, so it's, it's kind of just word of mouth, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a hobby. It's never going to be a job. It, it, I don't have the desire to work at it that hard. Um, and, and the constant work, you know, I want to, I'll make something this week and then something comes along, I'll make it. And, you know, so whatever happens, that's kind of how I am. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too scheduled and it's fly by the seat of my pants and, you know, whatever comes my way, I'll handle it. That was a fun conversation with Glenn Perkins. We did it in his vast woodworking shop on his property in the South Metro. He's got 100 acres. He does some turkey hunting, some pheasant hunting. He's got a hockey rink that he built. It is a cool piece of property. He's got some horses there, so it is really, really cool. He's got plenty to keep him busy. He is building a brewery slash bar. He's into making beer. So he's got all sorts of things on his property keeping him busy. The family moved into where they are now in September. So in his words, he's got like five years, if not more, of just renovation work, projects he can work on on his property by the way the second voice you heard toward the end there asking a couple questions was my photographer jeff briashi tv reporters do things all sorts of different ways i typically always turn to my photog especially for a sit-down interview to say do you have anything else because oftentimes the photog is listening very intently and might have heard the person in this case glenn say something that maybe i didn't catch So then you can ask the proper follow-up. I can't tell you how many times I'll turn to whoever my photographer is. That photographer asks a question to the person I'm doing a story on, and that answer ends up being the best answer in the entire interview. So just wanted to let you know in case you were wondering who that third voice was. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 128. Skoll Marketing brings you the Scoop Podcast online, skollmarketing.com. Especially if you're a small business owner, they can help build your business. For more, go to the website, skollmarketing.com, or call now to schedule your free 30-minute consultation, 612 
787-SKOL, 612-787-SKOL on the Vikings. Speaking of Skoll, I'll get to a bunch of Vikings notes later this week. They can start using one of the tags, the transition tag or the franchise tag as of tomorrow, February 20th. I don't see them using it this week, but will they use it before the deadline of March 6th? If they don't, specifically on quarterback Case Keenum, that would be a telltale sign They will make a run at Kirk Cousins. Undoubtedly, Kirk Cousins looks at the Vikings as a place that he could be. Now, I saw one of the Redskins defensive backs was on NFL Network earlier on Monday saying he is convinced Cousins is going to Denver. That is where the steam is at at this point. Now, Denver has to create more cap space. But if I had to bet right now, it would be the same as I've bet for a number of weeks. Kirk Cousins ends up in Denver, not with the Vikings. But I can promise you the Vikings have not made any final determination Talks are ongoing at Winter Park. So there will be lots to get to at the end of the week. Twins, Vikings, Gophers, Wolves, hockey, the NHL trade deadline coming up in, what, six days? Will the Wild make a trade? So we'll try to answer some of those questions, some of those inquiries, all of those inquiries on Scoop Podcast episode 129. Again, the hope is I can record a notes-only Scoop Podcast later this week. In the meantime, hopefully you enjoyed episode 128 of the Scoop Podcast.